It was on my trip around Australia on long service leave last year that I saw firsthand in a way that I hadn't before the importance of the regenerational process in the Australian bush and the landscape of the Australian bush. And we saw many, uh, many different landscapes, but particularly the landscape of the Australian bush. I saw landscape that had been ravaged by fire. And yet even out of that, I saw green shoots springing up and I saw that over time there was life and there was growth and there was flourishing that was even greater than what was there before. Even out of what was far from ideal, there was regeneration, the, the, the wonderful, creative, regenerational work of God in creation even uh, to bring out of what was far from ideal uh, what was even better than what was before. And today, we begin a series called Regenerational. We're not going to focus so much on the work of God in the changed landscape of the Australian bush, but we're going to focus on the work of God in the changed landscape of church life here at Bay Morris Mordialic Baptist Church into 2024. Now let me, as Deb did at the start, talk a little bit about this word regenerational. The regenerational work of God's spirit is at the heart of God's work. It is at the heart of God's work in people personally, transforming people spiritually to become more like Jesus, despite the ravaging effects of sin on the landscape of our lives. And in the reading that Craig just read to you, you heard about the regenerational work of God in the life of someone whose sins were forgiven, whose wholeness was, not just his sins were forgiven, but wholeness was brought to his life in a way that he hadn't experienced before. And the Second Corinthians talks about this as well, when it speaks of those of us in an ongoing way, we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being what? Are being transformed or are being regenerated into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So that, that, that's, uh, that, that, that's uh, something that happens um, for, uh, for each of us individually. But it, but it also is a part of God's work collectively. And in this series, we're going to be focusing specifically on the regenerational process for us collectively as a community of God's people, for us to reflect what God has designed his church to be under God's spirit. Now, I love being a part of God's church here at Bay Morris Mordialic Baptist. I've been a, uh, for 10 plus years now. God has called me to lead you, to be attentive to the, uh, the, the life, the health and the growth of this church community. But as I look back, I can see that the landscape of church life here over the years has gone through different chapters and, and it's gone through cycles and, 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 and that happens. That, that's quite, uh, uh, quite natural, uh, but there's been some curveballs as well. So let's just reflect on a few of those. Began 10, 10 plus years ago with, with, with a chapter or a season of consolidation. And then from that we moved into a, a chapter or a season of development. And then we moved into a season of growth and significant growth under God. Then, of course, we came to the merger. And that, that, that season and that chapter in life, bringing two churches together, Morris and, and Mordialic. And then, of course, the significant challenges and changes on the landscape of church life, the things like co that COVID brought. And then, uh, as I spoke briefly in the communication time last week, that Sunday morning sport has significantly changed the landscape in an increased and pronounced way uh, following on from COVID as well. 
And so the stage that I believe we're at now under God is what I would describe as a regenerational stage. It's one that when you look at it, uh, numerically we're doing pretty well. Uh, in terms of um, uh, connections with small groups, we're doing pretty well. In terms of community engagement and witness, we're doing pretty well. And I'll come back to that in, in, in a moment. Uh, but, but alongside that, we also need to recognise that the landscape has changed in recent years in ways that are far from ideal. But we also need to recognise that moving forward under God's spirit, there are and there will continue to be green shoots springing up and signs of life and growth that will lead to flourishing in an even greater way than, what, than, than was there before. We set out under God, uh, arising out of our towards 2025 focus back in 2019. And friends, we're nearly at 2025. That's next year. <laughs> Our leadership team retreat day uh, yesterday, uh, so I spent time uh, looking at this and, and praying and, and uh, we, we, we had fun, yes, as Deb has described, uh, but, but, but we, we spent time prayer, praying and sharing and, and looking at our uh, Towards 2025 focuses and, and uh, thinking about the to- beginning to think about the Towards 2030 and, uh, and, and identifying what are the core things that we need to be focused on moving forward that we need, need to be attentive to. So we set out on that Towards 2025 focus back in 2019 on the pathways that God had led us to as a church, the pathways that, that God had led us on. And there were three underpinning focuses across all aspects of church life. One of those was community engagement and witness. One of those was small groups. And one of those was being intergenerational. We've made pretty good progress with the small groups and the community engagement and witness. But what about the third one of being intergenerational? That's the one that especially needs some shaping and some shifting, some regenerational work of God moving forward, even before COVID, when we were in a significant growth stage with a um, diversity of ages across all generations. As I look back, in reality, we were multi-generational, but we were not intergenerational. Say that again. We were multi-generational, we represented all ages, but we were not intergenerational. How significantly did those generations know one another, connect with one another, share together, serve alongside one another, and, uh, and, and nurture one another and, and encourage one another. So across these next four weeks of this regenerational series, I'm leading off and I'll wrap up, but you'll hear from, from Kat and you'll hear from Michelle across the middle two weeks. We will look at four pegs to anchor us in the work of God towards being an intergenerational church in a greater way. It's God's work. It's God's church. We, we recognise that, we acknowledge that, that's, that's, that's critical to acknowledge that it's God's work, it's, it's God's church. We are called to be dependent on God, to be, to be prayerful, but it also involves us being prepared to create an environment that truly reflects what it means to be the body of Christ, beginning with this first peg of being intentional and inclusive. Mark chapter 2 that Craig read to us gives us, I believe, some insights that apply to being intentional and inclusive about finding and following Jesus together across the generations. Let me set the scene for you again. Jesus is in the house. Probably Simon and Andrew's house again. 
in uh, chapter 1. That's, uh, that, that, that was the scenario. Uh, Jesus was in, uh, in, in their house and it says that he's come, uh, come back. Uh, so we think that that's where it was. We can't be certain. Uh, but everybody wants to see Jesus, including this paralytic man. And he's carried by some of his friends, but he can't get a look in. He can't get anywhere near Jesus. So what can we learn from, uh, from, from, these, from this passage, from this account? Um, about, we can learn many things, but what, we can, what can we learn about being intentional and inclusive, particularly when it comes to intergenerational ministry? Firstly, we need to make sure that we're not blocking anyone from being able to connect with Jesus that we're not blocking anyone from being able to connect with Jesus, even without intending to. What does it say in, the, in verse 4? They could not get him to Jesus. Why? Because of the crowd. They could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd. Now, clearly there was no OH&S and risk assessments back in Bible times because it says that the doorways, uh, there was no room, verse 2, they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. So the aisles were crowded, the doors were crowded, they were blocked. People were blocking them. And, and, And so this man couldn't get anywhere near Jesus because people were blocking the doorways, blocking the aisles, blocking the aisles, blocking everything. And it tells us here there was no room left, not even outside the door. What was going on here? Well, I'd suggest that everyone was so focused on themselves drawing near to Jesus that they lost sight of whether they were blocking anyone else from doing so or not. Our culture tells us, and we know the reality of how different the generations are, but what does God call us to? God calls us to be countercultural, intentionally and inclusive in the way we create space in our lives, to be intergenerational, amongst other things, in the body of Christ, for coming together in relationship, for, com- for learning and growing together, for being more focused on others and their needs than we are on ourselves and our needs or the way we think things should be. And there's a very um, challenging uh, words of Jesus. Uh, we, we, uh, we probably know it well, but we probably gloss over uh, the, 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 the significance of what Jesus says about being a stumbling block or being a barrier to, to, to anybody else. Uh, particularly, uh, Jesus is speaking of the younger generation um, coming to Jesus. Let me read to you from Matthew chapter 18. At the time the disciples came to Jesus, they asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him. He placed the child among them. He said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And then in verse 6, Jesus said, If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Friends, they are strong words. And they're words of Jesus. And we need to be attentive and, and recognise Okay, Jesus actually takes seriously the fact that it's important to Jesus, so it should be important to us that we are not, uh, we are not in any way blocking anybody from being able to connect with Jesus or being a barrier in that. But there's a few other insights from this passage. Second insight is that 
It involves a mindset shift. The friends that were carrying this this paralytic man, they really cared about him clearly. And so so much so that um, not only were they, they carrying him on the mat, but they were willing to change plans. They were willing to change their mindset and do things differently all so he could connect with Jesus. I'm certain that lowering this man through the roof was not the plan A. <laughs> I'm sure that they didn't come with, with, the, with the plan or the mindset of, of, of going up on the roof, digging through the roof and lowering him through the roof. No, they, they adapted, they changed and they, and, and they were willing to change their mindset all so this man uh, could, could connect with Jesus and experience the forgiveness and the wholeness of life in his life that was missing. We've recently been setting our, uh, helping our youngest daughter set up her own little one-bedroom apartment. But in the process, I observed a few things. And one of the things I observed was that there was next to no interaction between the people in the different apartments. All the hours that I was there, I, and, and coming and going, <laughs> barely, barely saw anybody else, let alone interacted with them. Everyone just kept to their own little section. That is not what God calls the church to be. That is not what God calls the church to be generationally or in any other way either. And yet I wonder if in many ways that's what we have done or that's what we do. We keep it to our own circles with those of our own generation who we engage with at church or who we might be in a small group with or who we, 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 we are in ministries that are age-based or interest-based or uh, youth over here, kids over here, adults over here. Friends, that distinction isn't there in the Bible. And frankly, it isn't effective in the long term for discipleship. The younger generation need the older generation for their spiritual growth and, 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 and their encouragement and their wisdom. And the older generation need the younger generation equally in different kinds of ways. Each generation in God's purposes needs one another. And the Bible always speaks of the people of God coming together, not keeping separate. And so as we think about God's regenerational process for us here at BMBC, it isn't just for one part of the church, just like God's regenerational process in, in, in his creation and the bush it isn't just for one part of the bush, it's for all of it. And it's the same in the church. It's not just at, at the new 4pm uh, service that we will launch uh, on, the, on the first Sunday in, in March uh, that the regenerational work, God's regenerational work is, is about. It's for every aspect of church life to be intentional and inclusive about creating an environment for God's regenerational work to become intergenerational. A mindset shift in our awareness, in our attitudes, in our actions. Philippians 2 uh, puts it like this, talking about the, 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 the body of Christ. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, if you have any common sharing in the Spirit... If any tenderness and compassion, then make my, God, then God says, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not look into your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset 
as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. That's, that's, a, that's a servant mindset. That's a mindset that Jesus modelled for us that says, how can I make a difference in somebody else's life? How can I serve somebody else? How can I, uh, uh, how, how can I uh, be someone who impacts the life of somebody else, not just in my generation, but across the generations? But the third and final insight that I want to speak to today is that this process of finding and following Jesus together intergenerational is messy. It is messy. That is the reality. We've had work going on. Uh, this week, high up around our, our, our roof at, at home, there's been scaffolding. Uh, we've got rotting timber <laughs> up in our faces and under our eaves and stuff that, uh, that, that's been needed to be done for a long time. We even had a possum come in and all kinds of... <laughs> and anyway, uh, that, that's, uh, that's been sorted. But the reality is the work that's been done is messy and it's somewhat disruptive. But at least they didn't dig through the roof. <laughs> that's, what, that's what went on here. In, uh, in, in what Craig read to us in, in that account, a, a digging through the roof in Mark chapter 4, uh, Mark chapter 2, it tells us, as I just read it to you again, uh, there from verse 4, they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, so what did they do? They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then they lowered the mat the man was lying on. Now, to help you understand this, roofs in Bible times were flat, and so... Uh, these flat roofs that they had and and they had the larger wooden beams that were supporting the roof but in between were smaller branches and twigs that were moulded together in, in, uh, in dried mud to become dried mud essentially to form the surface of the roof and roof tiles were placed above that. So when what was going on here was taking place all the digging to make it possible for this man, can you just imagine it, to be lowered through the roof, all the digging that's going on. Can you imagine what it was like for Jesus underneath and the others? But Jesus particularly, this would have been the, a, a messy and disruptive exercise for Jesus and all those in the room as dirt and twigs and all kinds of messinesses coming down their way. But what Jesus not only shakes it off literally, but in every way. Rather than being disturbed by this, What does Jesus do? Jesus commends the faith steps that were taken that led to this messiness and he forgives this man's sin and he brings wholeness to this man's life. Being intentional about and inclusive about sharing life and faith together across the generations can be messy and it can be even disruptive. It's safer and it's easier to stay as we are. As let's face it, different generations are are different in lots of ways. But the key question is, what does God call his church to be? What does God call his church to be? God calls his church to be characterised by diversity, not uniformity. In age, in background, in abilities, in personalities, in perspectives yet committed to sharing life and faith connections in such a way that we learn from one another under God. Learning from one another under God starts with knowing one another and then it, and, and then it moves into, uh, in, in, into sharing in more significant ways together about life and faith. 
and being able to encourage and spur one another on and learn from one another. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16 says this, uh, speaking about the church, from him, that's Christ, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As each part does its work. So as we close, um, we're going to, I'm going to have, give you the opportunity to hear uh, hear the experience of some amongst us who've been a part of, of uh, sharing and serving intergenerationally, uh, both here at BNBC and previously in other churches. And, and then you'll have the opportunity in a slightly different communication time this morning to hear about some of the opportunities to connect intergenerationally here at BNBC uh, into, into 2024. So um, uh, Margaret and Nick are, are going to come and, um, and, and join me as I clean up here. <laughs> from the messiness that I've created. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of confetti type of material there. Um, so I'm just going to ask uh, Nick and Margaret, oh, Margaret and Nick, uh, a, a few, few questions. Um, and the first one is, how and where have you been a part of intergenerational sharing and serving? Um, we first started with our Bible study groups over 40 years ago in Wollongong and we've been involved in a number of churches um, since then from uh, Wollongong to here in Melbourne to Istanbul in Turkey and uh, have lots of different connections and our connections to Wollongong remain to this day Mm. where we're still in contact with members of that uh, Bible study group both um, the older generation and somewhat younger generation. Mm. And uh, you've been a part of one. Uh, you've been a part of two intergenerational groups here. I, I think uh, two is it uh, as well at BNBC. Uh, two, yes, yeah. that's correct. And uh, it, it was. It's been interesting. Uh, we were kind of solicited into the first one. This happens <laughs> a lot with us. I don't know why. Um, and sometimes people struggle with my sense of humour, and uh, Margaret struggles with it a lot. That's why I'm standing here because I've got an exit to the left if I say something silly. But um, joining a, a Bible study group with a wide range of ages, so we've been in a Bible study group here where the age range was uh, late teenagers into mid-70s. That, that's a fair, fair jump uh, mm. for people. But uh, if you don't have that mixture, then you're not going to get the same impact, I think, in a, in a Bible study group. Mm. So what, what have been some of the, the challenges or what, what, what's, what's been messy at times as, uh, about uh, connecting intergenerationally um, in, in the ways you've described? Mm. Well, life is messy mm. and Bible study groups, um, they're subject to the same sort of messy things and sad things and hard things that happen. Mm. Um, we've personally been involved with families who have experienced divorce so one of our members was informed by email that she was to expect a divorce from her partner um, who was overseas. We've been involved in supporting a family who um, experienced a suicide. Um, equally, we've been involved in things that have been joyful, where families have had uh, new children come along, um, all sorts of different things that have happened. and. Even when it's come to a point where the Bible study group has grown too big, mm. we've had to look at dividing and starting new Bible study mm. groups. 
which you're in the process of again yep. this year. Yep. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think the other thing about uh, Bible study groups is that they are a safe space for people. Um, you, I don't, I don't like the term, a you're on a journey with them, that's not quite what it is, but you're doing life with them and um, as a result uh, things crop up which you, you may not expect at times. And I think the other thing about fellowship in a small group is that food plays a, a fair part in all of this. Mm. Now, some, some groups you know, might come for a cup of tea and go, but uh, we've tended to uh, facilitate people ha having food because it's a, it's a joyous thing. I mean, Jesus mm. sat down with his disciples and shared food with them, broke bread with them. And uh, I think um, we have done that a lot in Bible study groups. Some Bible study groups you know, don't want to go out, say, to a restaurant, but others would be happily do it every couple of months ago yeah. for a restaurant. Uh, even when we were in with a group with Pastor Cat, uh, we, we had food nights, and they, they were great. Mm. And we were able to talk around the table, and different things come out mm. in, in that setting as well. Mm. But I think the confidentiality that um, the Bible group uh, forms is that uh, people can talk about things that are difficult uh, at times, and that, that's another side mm. to the idea of being in a safe space. Mm. Yeah, that's great. So, so what? Uh, yeah, thirdly and finally, what uh, what would you say are the uh, the benefits, or has it, has it been worth it? Um, what's the value of uh, being not just in a small group, but in, being in an intergenerational group? Uh, what, what you know? Why is it that that's been something significant for you? Um, I think learning from um, more experienced Christians, mm. and certainly when we were in our first Bible study group, we were newly married. Mm. Um, we didn't have children at that stage, mm. um, but there were uh, people in our Bible study group who had been to Bible college, who had had uh, experiences as missionaries and mm. various offices in the church. Plus, they, they were family people who mm. had different levels and stages of family. So we learnt lots of things, not just biblically and scripturally and from a Christian point of view, but also a practical point of view of mm. doing life. Mm. Yes. I think the other thing is it, it uh, keeps you honest uh, mm. because you're, uh, you're not just coming into the church and out again. Like you say, that can be a bit of a, a rotating door where you're in and out and you don't really connect with anybody. But in a Bible study group, you connect... You have to connect. I mean, what's the point of being there if you're not going to connect with one another? So I think that's the most important thing. Um, I also think that um, you can um, help people stay closer, much closer to God. In other words, it, it's a bit like the, the analogy of take, taking a coal out of a fire. It goes cold. So if somebody uh, doesn't turn up for Bible study repeatedly, then you, you go looking for them to say, what, why aren't you... Coming, what's going on? Usually, there's something going on in their life that's stopping them. Mm -hmm. But uh, bringing people together and uh, ensuring that they um, uh, stay together over a period of time, I think, is a very, very worthwhile thing to do. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Thank you uh, for for sharing uh, with us uh, out of your 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 experiences of a life and faith shared together with others intergenerationally. Thank you so much. Right. Well, what are some of the ways that you can, we can all take steps towards being intentional and inclusive about intergenerational life here at BNBC? So um, 
we'll be, spe we'll be seeking to create more opportunities for that, uh, to connect with people intergenerationally um, moving forward. So what are some of those? Well, one of those is, a, is an opportunity to join a small group that is intergenerational, as you've just heard about. And uh, our small group leaders are meeting uh, next Sunday as the small groups begin to get underway for the year and we're placing people in, in different groups. And uh, so there's an opportunity for you to join an intergenerational small group. And uh, so um, speak to myself, speak to uh, Christine, uh, or, um, or just leave your name on, at the Info Hub if you can't get to Christine or, or myself and we'd be happy to, uh, to link you in there. What, what, there are opportunities to serve interge intergenerationally as well. Pa uh, play group uh, during the week and, and mornings, uh, week weekday mornings, uh, is an opportunity to serve intergenerationally. Uh, youth, uh, again, as we said before, you might think, well, play group and youth, oh, no, they, they, you know, they, they, they don't need me. Well, they do. <laughs> the, the, the younger generation needs the older generation. As I said earlier, and the older generation needs the younger generation. There are ways, uh, there, there are ways uh, that, that you can be a part of that. So speak to uh, Pastor Michelle or, or Kat. By the way, Pastor Kat this morning is attending um, the induction service for uh, Reverend Katrina Lambert, who spoke at her induction here uh, as uh, she's inducted uh, at uh, a senior pastor at, at a new church. Uh, this morning. That's where Pastor Cat is today. Uh, there, there are opportunities in worship, and, and you've seen that modelled by our worship team, uh, even, even today, how there are eight, eight people serving in worship up the front. There are three serving down the back behind the scenes, uh, but, but of the eight people serving in worship up the front, it's about, there, there, were, there were three of the, of the younger generation there. And uh, so our worship ministry is, is modelling to us uh, intergenerational serving together. Uh, so there, there's opportunities there and, and across any of our other ministry teams as well. There's uh, opportunities to connect intergenerationally through our additional 4pm service uh, starting on, on Sunday 3rd of March, uh, fortnightly during school holidays. It'll be hospitality based, it'll be missional based, it'll be intergenerational based. Uh, there, 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 are, there will be opportunities uh, for, for you to uh, find ways to help those of a different generation practically. And uh, this might be through providing some transport to those who are older. Uh, this might be through uh, providing perhaps some, uh, some, some tutoring or, or, or some, some help in other ways for those who are younger. And so we're thinking through ways that, that intergenerationally uh, that, that can, uh, that, that can uh, play a part as well. As I said, the younger generation need the older generation and the older generation need the younger generation in God's purposes. Then we've got our Easter festival. Hard to believe that uh, we're talking about that already, but uh, that's on the 24th of, of March and uh, opportunity to, uh, to, to serve alongside others and uh, that, that's an intergenerational focus in that. We've got our church camp the first Sunday in May. Uh, and uh, Jane is uh, facilitating uh, that again, which we thank her for. But there's no better way to connect with others uh, in, in more significant ways than, than a church camp. And even if you don't come for the, for the whole weekend, you can come for the day on the, on the Saturday. And uh, it's always a great opportunity to, uh, to, to get to know people in a greater way and to, to share fun together, to, to share life and faith together. Uh, we're looking at having uh, again this year, which we haven't had for a few years, guess who's coming to lunch? 
where share, lunch is shared with, with, with different people. And uh, you get the opportunity to sign up to, uh, to, to just share on a Sunday over lunch. Uh, guess who's coming to lunch? Our Connecting and Caring team were meeting during the week and talking about that, as well as uh, a board games opportunity sometime, a, a, a beach day, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But, but the, uh, the, the ideas all around uh, inter, intergenerational, um, intergenerational connecting, sharing of life and faith. And even today, in a small way, over morning tea, uh, you, you can start. So um, there's just some of the opportunities as, as, uh, as part of our um, connection uh, communication time today. So I'm going to hand back to our worship team who are going to lead us in our, our closing song before Deb comes and, um, and just uh, wraps up our service together. Thank you, worship team.